What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by eight amazing people. Greg Ross, Illuminati, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, Michael Fritschke, Yvonne Williams, and Doug Malam. Thank you all so very much for helping make this show possible. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight, I have back with me uh, Mr. Mr. Colin Karras. Colin. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and hello, Sasha. Yes. Hello, uh, hello Soraya, yes. <laughs> and Sasha Christie for the first time. Hello. <laughs> and you're both from the UK, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Colin's on a less good mic than he has been in the past, but we can still hear him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I had technological <laughs> issues because I've been going through this annoying process of selling a house and moving into a new house. And I'm currently in a weird bed and breakfast and I have a cheap laptop and I couldn't get it to connect. So I'm on my phone. At the, actually, no, I'm on the laptop speaking into an old uh, microphone. So hopefully I'll be listening. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I think I can understand you. <laughs> so um, you had recorded, well... You sent in a story for listener stories, and you updated it with a voice message. And now you said more stuff has happened about these dancing ghosts you experienced. So I, I want to know about that. Well, I was sort of thinking about your ideas about retrocausality and about, you know, almost visions appearing as warnings. So, I mean, very briefly, because I told it before, the story was I'd been clearing down the house and trying to get everything either chucked into the bin or packed up in boxes to move out. And I not really slept properly for like a couple of days. So I'd maybe had an hour and a half sleep for hers or something. And yeah. I looked out the window just before going to bed and I saw what looked like some dancing ghosts. They looked like some carousing uh, teenagers in the front garden dancing around. And as I looked a little bit closer, I realized it was like a light effect and staring through some old deck curtains so it was sort of an optical illusion and i was like okay fine that's not ghosts and there was some other stuff as well ghost related which is not ghost related but anyway so i think about a month after seeing these weird shape-shifting ghost optical illusion i was going to bed at about the same time as i'd seen those ghosts about one half past one in the morning and some people came running up to my front door at like half one in the morning bear in mind i'm in a little quiet cul-de-sac where nothing's going on and nobody's gonna come and knock on my door at half one in the morning and they start banging on my door and i jump up pull my clothes on and i think who the heck is this i don't know who this is going to be at half one in the morning right and then i walk into the back uh, the living room and there's three sort of hooded youths 
uh, with a torch and they're trying to pull my back door open. They're trying to break into the house, basically. Oh. So I pull my clothes on. I've got my key. I run out. I, I like such a coward. I run out the front door, lock the front door, run a street along and phone the police. And so it turns out what was actually happening was these kids had been running around the neighborhood uh, at like early hours for the last few days. So the police told me and trying to just, you know, do, do that thing of trying to trying door handles, trying cars, trying to rob stuff. Yeah. And in a weird way, I sort of put those two together and I thought, OK, so a month prior to that, it's almost like the man in the men in black. You know, it's I saw these three kids outside my door. I saw like a vision of them, just exactly where these kids came around trying to break into the house. And it was almost like a warning from the future or from the past. So it was a little, I, I, you know, I I feel like I've got really skeptical. And weirdly enough, in the last sort of, the last week or so, I saw what I thought was a UFO, but I think it was a drone. And uh, I I have seen a a sort of an orb floating around. I did some sky watching and I saw an orb, but maybe we can come back to that. So. So that's the story so far, anyway. All right. So, Sasha, this is your your first time on the show. And uh, would you like to give people a little background on who you are? Okay. Well, um, I'm from Yorkshire, and I've had, like, paranormal experiences all my life, from being a little kid, seeing all kinds of weird, ghosty stuff. And so um, an acorn hanging in the sky by itself in about 1976, 77. That's when I was like six or seven. Um, but I, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. But obviously I didn't think it was a, a, a UFO or anything because I didn't even know anything about them when I was little. But uh, I, I remembered it probably about 10 years ago. But anyway, I saw something with my mum when I was about 13 and it was just a little light zipping around. And then in 97, I went to Wales with my boyfriend, some of his family members and my son. And uh, we had like this enormous UFO. Well, it wasn't at first we saw it, it was tiny, it was miles away and it looked like lightning. And then mm. event- eventually it came to where we were, a whole four hour at least drama ensued and... So then I sort of went a little bit nuts (laughs) and then eventually in about 2005 came to the internet and since then I've just been bothering everybody. So, uh, (laughs) you know, like researching, talking to people, trying to piece things together, even though we can never know the actuality, I really focus on experiences rather than nuts and bolts and, uh, you know, people and how they cope and things like that. I think, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a lot, <laughs> you know, and you, and you said, but, you yeah, used, that's my life. Sorry. <laughs> you, you said you used to do your, uh, used to do a podcast as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been doing podcasts like God, probably for about 12 years or something like that, but I'm very sporadic. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. You know, Where can people find those? I've been for a while. <laughs> well, the, on I've got um, a YouTube channel, actually. I've got some abductee diaries on there, like video diaries and me and a friend talking. Mm-hmm. So that's Paranormal Instigator. It, it's Sasha Christie as well. If you search that, it'll come up. Okay. So right. I, Bit okay. of a hodgepodge of nonsense, really, on there. It's not exactly structured, so <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Warned ever. So you you said uh, you said that a lot of your experiences have been negative. Have they all been negative? No, 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 not all of them. Um, I've had a couple of like just bizarre. Uh, I've had a lot of UFOs. 
sightings, strange things I've seen. Just I used to smoke, so I've seen a lot, you know, standing at my kitchen door or at my front door. Uh, things like just orange, an orange egg-shaped glow, dark orange, so almost like the light has left a lamp, a street lamp in England. I don't know if you've seen our street lights. They kind of had an orange glow around them. It's almost like one just left the lamp post and floated off. Uh, boomerangs and oh, I don't know, just things that have disappeared in front of my and most of the time I've had people with me when we've seen these things you know so I've even photographed uh one I filmed some recently I even went Facebook live with it because I was like I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at it's two giant tadpoles and they're like same equidistance apart for the entire thing but they weren't going up or down so they weren't balloons they weren't tethered because they moved off eventually and then went one above the other and then went up into the clouds and I was stood with my son and I was like what is that so after a little while I thought film it idiot and then so I got my phone and I filmed it and then I was like do you know what I'm going Facebook live with this because you can fake anything so I was like Facebook Live, and then as I was kind of moving, I fell over something like a shovel I'd left on the floor or whatever, and then I lost sight of them. But um, I did get a couple of minutes footage. They were weird. They had like a little tail that was flicking around. I don't know what that was. I was but it's just like constant like that. So it makes you a little bit dingy, you know, like you just sort of feel slightly unhinged all the time. Cause, you know, I don't even, I don't have to go looking for this stuff. Right. Most people go out looking for it, and I'm like just on the bus, and so there they are, you know, <laughs> a bit much. What what um what did they look like on the video? Did they look like what you were seeing? Yeah, but I was filming on my phone, and um I was at maximum zoom, so it's a little bit blurry. But ah. when you look at it on a, I, you know, like I've, I was, I'd only looked at it on my phone for ages, and I looked at it on the laptop recently, and I was like, well, they, they do look like tadpoles. Yeah, it just is like kind of fuzzy. Uh, just because of it's a Samsung, so it's not like the best camera, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're zoomed in like that. I mean, mm. it's, it's just digital zoom, so it's not like a, a real, real camera. They're pretty low and close, you know. Like, yeah. and it's just like, why? What? What? I don't know why. And, and I went back to Wales where we'd had the major sighting um, about two years ago, and I went with the guy that I was with. We went back together for the first time, just like the week before we left. I was on the bus and I was going into town uh, to buy some trainers for my son, and I thought I saw, you know, like a short contrail. You know, they get brilliant bright white sometimes it was just short and it was off in the distance and I looked again and like looked bigger then I looked again and uh it was it was three bright lights and then as soon as I tried to get my son to look and I said what's that he looked down at the street instead of up into the sky and it just went zoom off and it went behind a chimney so I know it wasn't anything reflecting on the glass because it wouldn't the chimney wouldn't have obscured it so and and I was like oh god it's because I'm going back there and because I'm talking about it again and you know like it's just it's just all the time like so but well not every day I don't mean every day but right right at least like at least once a year at least once a year and sometimes more than that and or I've seen like a white light go across the top of the garden and I'm looking up and I thought maybe a satellite I don't know which way they go you know I know they all kind of go and then another one came over (laughs) and it was a little bit lower down I was like oh well what are you then you know (laughs) like what what am I supposed to understand from this? Why are you just like there, like to just like say that? Oh, hi, I'm here, I'm real, like because I know, I know that now. And that that's the question I always have when I have experiences: is what am I supposed to learn from this? Yeah, 
And because it's got to be for some reason, you know, otherwise why are they even doing this? Like, right. Mm. And what, uh, you know, uh, do these experiences happen to you like, uh, like during liminal periods of time or they just, is it just random? It's random, but, uh, February seems to be, you know, a, a month for it. Um, that was the time when we saw the huge UFO and one actually landed, uh, really close to us. And then the one that I just said, and I'm pretty sure I've seen something else in February as well, but, uh, I can't remember which one it was now. I don't write things down. Mm. I don't, I'm not like that because I don't want to read it back. And I just, it's too much. I, I already feel like, you know, uh, insane. But when people say you feel insane, then you're not insane because insanity doesn't feel like insanity. <laughs> well, you, you, you don't, you don't approach it like you're insane. I mean, you're, you're approaching well, it in a very logical way. That's the only way that I can, because if I don't, then I will be unhinged properly. Like I have been in the past. I've believed some very strange things and ridiculous things, but I was trying to feel safe, you know, so, you know, all that space for this stuff. I was like, yeah, cool, part of something, now oh, saving things, and yeah, because, you know, I like saving things, and so for saving them, and uh, like, and then it was like, actually, it really doesn't feel like that. It feels really invasive and terrifying, and um, the abduction side of it is really, that's not been fun. But I have had a couple of experiences that have been like really breathtaking, like seeing the planet from space, like in space, seeing how bright it is and how mm. it's, oh, I can't even describe it. I can't even describe it. It's just literally breathtaking and so precious. And you just can't believe how beautiful it is from up there. And like, I, I don't know how I'd get that hyper reality. Um, you know, I just, how would I even know that it would look like that? You know? Yeah. Cause couldn't, it just wouldn't get that from any amount of photographs that I've seen or any amount of ISS footage or whatever. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that that happened, you know, and I and you know, I was kind of like on like a, it was almost like glass, but it wasn't. I know it was made of like energy, like a platform. It was almost like a viewing platform and a craft because we were coming back down towards the planet, and I was stood there being allowed to see this, or you know, um, and and even with the reptilian thing that I experienced, they didn't really do anything scary. They weren't being scary. They didn't like. Uh, injure me in any like violent way um but the you know the way that I was taken if I'd have actually had a second to think I would have absolutely thought I'm being murdered I have come to stay at somebody's house that I've met on the internet and at a conferences a couple of times and they're murdering me that would be what I would have thought if I'd have had time mm. do you want me to tell you about yes it? yes um, absolutely yeah okay so I met some people at a conference in 2005 and I was listening to him speaking and I'm thinking, this sounds like me. This sounds like my life. And at the time, I wasn't really piecing it together. I just knew that I'd seen UFOs. And then, um, so the following year, I went to see him again, but I was writing for UFO Data Magazine for Russell Callahan, Philip Mantle, um, you know, that group. So um, I was going to uh, do a review of the conference and just, you know, have fun with people. So as I'm sitting in the audience listening to Jason speaking, this guy, Jason, he was an abductee uh, and his mum had been trying to find help 
like since he was like 12 because he could have he had all these memories so this is he's now like 18 19 during this talk and uh i'm looking at him and i'm like what is going on because he it's like this pulsing is going on around him and i thought it was like my eyes at first and then i'm like no that's really spiking out of him it was like spikes and they were really deep electric blue and they it got bigger and bigger and bigger until it was like all the way around him and I thought in my naivety that I was seeing an aura indigo child oh I've seen an indigo oh yeah I've seen the blue aura right so uh remember that indigo blue people like because it might be significant and then after a, a minute of it being like as large as it was I like you I blinked and then as I you know I look again it's not around him it's behind him it stepped well away from him it's like a couple of feet behind him it's nowhere near him this shadow figure that's just literally stepped out of his body pulsing 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 and there it is so I'm looking at it and I'm thinking now I think it must be just my eyes because I've been staring at him. So maybe there's an, you know, like sometimes you look at something and there's an imprint in your retina or something. Yeah. And so yeah. you're elsewhere and you can see, you know, whatever. So I've stared at somebody's head and then I looked at the ceiling to see if I could see a head instead, you know, like, and I was like, no. So I look back and I could still see it. It was there. And that, so I was, you know, literally rubbing my eyes and like couldn't, couldn't believe it because that's just ridiculous. So then this thing starts to come out of this, uh, at the front of it and it's like a, a grey sparkly thing. And then that takes form and that looks like a little grey, but it's sparkling like it's got glitter floating. And then uh, at the, where the hip would be in the tall blue thing this like thing started to protrude and come up and out like i don't like a tail or something and then the end of it drooped and then it fell off just the end so like there was a blob that fell off of this shadow and i saw it drop straight to the floor i was looking so this guy's 10 feet away remember at least and i it dropped straight down it should have landed behind him but it didn't it landed at my feet and i watched it drop straight down 10 feet away from me and I literally watched it drop to my feet at the same time. But I was like, what? And it was spiky and it was like a teardrop shape, but it was spikes instead of smooth around the edges. So then I'm looking at that, looking at him and the other things. And I'm just thinking, what the heck is going on? And uh, so anyway, the talk ends and uh, I go up to the table where we've got all the magazine for sale. And somebody's drawn it on a piece of paper and they've left it on the table. So I said to him, who drew that? Yeah. To Michael, who was there. And he said, Vitaly. I said, I saw that. I just saw that. And I wish I'd drawn it because that would have just been crazy. So we're talking to Jason um, outside and I was with my friend Lynn and we were both talking to him and he's saying, no, you to heal. You need to like imagine that, you know, inside your mind there's this bucket and it's got a hole in the bottom. And all you're doing is letting all of your pain and all of your sorrows fall into this bucket and letting them swirl, swirl, swirl until they fall out of the hole in the bottom and that's what you do as a meditation so we were like nice one okay cool because this guy's like you know he, he's saying that he's in touch with these ets he talks to them uh, he's allowed them to travel in his, in his body in an energetic form so they can experience his life etc so i'm like i don't know if this is true or not all i know is what i've gone through and maybe it is maybe it isn't but it, you know i want to find out for myself because i don't know what anything is and so i was really open-minded about it but then i actually saw all this going on so i started to believe it and um that that day or night or maybe the next afternoon i can't remember i was doing the meditation and i literally felt like somebody had peeled 
the top of my, the skin off my head. So it was bunched up around my ears. And mm. it was this really weird pressure at the top of my head. And it started going into my head. And then I could feel it going down, down, down. And it got to my throat and I felt sick. And I wanted to move. And it was like, I just felt like, no, I have to stay still. Then I had this uh, feeling in my chest and then in my stomach. And then it was really, really big pressure feeling until it got to my feet and then boom it was clear and then I didn't feel it anymore and uh you know I thought god that was that was oh and I felt like something had slid into my body through the top of my head like if it had come down a slide and just gone into my body after that pressure thing yeah well I didn't I didn't know what to think of that and didn't really think much of it because at the same time even if I had it was okay because it was all space brothers anyway right and everything was full and we were all saving the planet and saving uh, this species and saving everything. So um, uh, then I got an email from Lynn saying, Sasha, I had this really weird experience yesterday. She said it felt like somebody had peeled me out like an orange. And I had this really weird pressure that went through my head and all the way through my body. And I felt sick, and blah, blah, blah. And I was, and I, I called my partner at the time, uh, called him T-Rex. He's Mark Boland. But anyway, I called him and, and, he, and he, I shouted, T, T, come, come look at this. So he comes in, he reads the email, and he, he literally jumped backwards, and his eyebrows left his face because I told him what had happened to me. He was so shocked, he physically left the floor. So then I went to stay with them the following year in 2007, and I stayed in Anne's house, which is Jason's mum. This is the guy, yeah, and I stayed in his old bedroom, right? So in their book, this bedroom is notorious. No one can sleep in it. It, like no one can breathe they start having coughing fits and you know like it's really horrible room it's got a very weird energy blah 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 so <clears throat> we're all there there's paula harris is there ellis taylor there's uh mike oram and fran and loads of people we're all ray nice to see you we're all getting ready for the conference uh the next day and paula's going i'm not sleeping in that bedroom again no chance i'm getting a hotel so me and uh, jason's dad took paula to get a hotel got back ellis turned up soaking wet from the rain it had not rained so um you know there was just all these weird stuff going on like and uh we were all outside uh smoking <laughs> and i was looking down at the floor and this seagull or yeah it was a seagull just hit the deck and it was absolutely stunned and flapping and trying to get up like it had fl- flown into a window so the guys are stood next to me and they're going that just hit something that we can't see mm. there's something there and that just flew into it and I was like, well, it must have hit something because it's just landed on the floor completely stunned like it's, you know, like a bird that's flown into a window. So we kind of just dismissed it as well because we're all jollies and everything. And it's obviously Space Brothers, so it's all cool. <laughs> then, um, <coughs> you know, uh, so Anne's saying, and she's like kind of cringing while she's saying it because we've all been chatting all night. And it's like, well, who's going to sleep in Jason's room then? Ooh. And I went, I will, because <laughs> it's all Space Brothers and it's all cool and everything. So um, I went to bed and I went to sleep and uh, I woke up. I started to wake up because I felt the covers being pulled down. Now, normally, somebody's going to take your cover, you, you have a big duvet on, and uh, they would just throw it off. But it was like the sheet was folded and they were pulling the fold down so the fold stayed in the material. And it was not the sheet that I went to bed with because I had like a thick comforter on, yeah? So mm. I start to wake up because the of the material and just the movement and sense that something's going on and as soon as I start to come round this rubber sheet or something comes over the top of me from the right and it pins my arms down 
completely sucks all the air out of my lungs. I'm literally vacuumed to something. I'm thinking I'm in the bed in the bedroom, but I couldn't have been because they couldn't have vacuumed that uh, anything to that because it was a big bed, double bed. Then, um, so I start panicking and kicking my legs and stuff and freaking out. And uh, then I start to freeze. Everything's just gone really cold, but it starts on my skin and then it goes into my body, like through my body. Like I literally felt my heart freeze. This is happening so fast as well. I've got to tell you, this is why I didn't have time to think. This is in a matter of like five, ten seconds. Um, and then the next thing, I feel something slash at the rubber that's in my mouth. And my mouth was wide open with this rubber, you know, like I was literally like vacuum packed um, with my mouth open. It slashed something slashed it and then i could breathe i just took a great you know like in breath so yeah. then the next thing and all that like that was like bah, 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 oh so rapid that's that's the thing that's the moment where and I, that it was the terror that was pure terror I can't tell you like somebody putting a bag over your head and you from behind and you're suffocating it's so scary so i'm then in like a dentist chair and I, and I can tell I am. I just know I am. I can feel the, the angle that I'm sat in. The armrest, everything. It's, it's a dentist chair. And my left arm is outstretched. And it's on this very tall, um, thin steel table with a blue cloth on it, a blue surgical cloth. And my hand's outstretched. And I can feel needle prick in my fingertips, like lots of them. Like something's, you know, like testing like well i think it was testing nerve function because mm. there was a machine on the floor next to me which was like a big metal box on tubular steel legs and it had a glass panel in it had a red line and then a graph was plotting in the background you know like lines going up and down like peaking and, and dropping and i that was my head was turned that way. Now, I wasn't sure about what was going on on the right hand side, but I could hear people talking and, and there were voices like, you know, proper like our voices. And I, I did know what they were talking about at the time, but I don't know now. And I couldn't remember afterwards. I just remember it, you know, upsetting me. So I'm, yeah. I'm starting to shout for help because I thought I'm in a house full of people if I can just because I, I was trying to get up I was trying to move and I was trying to shout for help and all at the same time and I just couldn't get it together so I thought just sit still and just concentrate on your voice because if you shout someone will hear you and they'll come in and then you'll be able to snap out of this because I'm thinking that I'm in some sort of sleep paralysis state or whatever or something I just think if someone comes in I'll be fine right. and then um, you know, I'm sh and I managed to shout really loud. I managed to shout help really loudly. And uh, I, I know I just felt something coming up to me, like, I don't know, a rush of activity from the right. Uh, then the next thing I remember is that I'm stood, in, I'm stood somewhere. I've got someone stood next to me in the left. And in front of me, there's a little girl and she's about seven. She's got blonde hair in pigtails, little bunches at the sides. She's got a little white dress on with little flowers and a teddy bear. And uh, and I look at her, she's really sweet looking. And then I look and behind her is this reptilian. And I'm looking at it, its back. I'm looking at this spine, the bones of its spine, which, you know, like you could see her and the size of its shoulders and how huge it was. I couldn't see it's, it was like kind of bent over something, so it was looking down, like a panel, like a light. I don't know, it had all lights on it, I don't know, like a touchscreen thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know if we had, I don't think we had that technology actually in 2007, uh, you know, like in public, I can't remember. Um, so anyway, I see this little girl, I've got a little girl about the same age, so I just go, I don't even think, I'm going to grab that 
girl and pull her away from that thing because I'm still saving stuff, okay? And as I went to grab her, uh, she grinned. And it wasn't a little girl at all. It was like a, it was a reptilian, but it was like crocodilian mouth. Like his teeth were like old bone, all of the same size, all the same width, length, spike on the end, everything. And she grinned and all the skin of her face just bunched up like either side of the granite. It was so grotesque. And their eyes were absolutely bright gold, the goldest gold you can ever see. Huh. And its pupils, which were round, by the way, were they, you know, like expanded and contracted. It got a kick out of me being scared and realizing that wasn't a little girl. It's, it grinned. It loved it. I took like two, three steps back and it was just like jaw on the floor, literally. I didn't scream or freak out or anything. And I turned to look to the person on my left who's still kind of blurry, but I know it's Ellis. Because when I seen Ellis, all I've got is this like skin color with dark, longish hair. Okay. So it's just kind of blurry. But then I woke up in the morning and I thought, is that real? Did I dream that? You know, like, and it all started coming flooding back to me. And I was like, oh, I forgot to say. The, the needles as well, when I looked at my arm, my arm looks about 20 foot long, uh, really distorted. So they'd obviously give me some drugs or something. And when I looked, there was this like hairy thing chomping on my on my fingertips. They have these like little black pet things and they're just like balls of fur, like balls of hair. But I think they're actually, I don't know, they... <laughs> Sounds absolutely crazy, all of this, I know. It's like they can extract information somehow, and everything's telepathy with them, you know? So... I don't know how any of that was working, but it was, I did, there was a graph being planted. The next day at the conference, after I'd like jumped all over Ellis in the morning, who was just stood there coming out of the toilet in his underpants, all just, there you go, skin colour with his shaggy hair. So um, we sat down talking, he'd had experiences as well, he'd had an experience as, as well, and also with black dogs, uh, but bigger. Um, but at the, at the conference itself in the afternoon, I, I was sat with uh, Jason and his wife, and I noticed that I had all these bruises and puncture marks on the back of my right hand. Mm. And I was like, what the hell are these? Ellis took a couple of photographs. And then my mum rung me, like about two minutes after I was started saying what are these to tell me about this horrible dream that she's had about me where I was laid on the sofa covered in like either cling film or I was sweating and I was mumbling and out of my mind and uh, there were two two men stood in the corner talking about me and then we were in this house but the windows were really high up like in a gymnasium and so that was a bit weird but then there was a knock on the door and she opened the door and uh, this alien walked in and he's like blue skinned and uh, she's like, it was that wrinkly it looked like it was knitted and it had a black fedora hat on and a coat and they went and talked to the other two guys who were talking about you to talk about you she, said, she was really mad because she thought I was taking drugs again because when I lost the plot I did take drugs for a little while um, and that she was really mad with me because she thought I was doing that again um, and you know and then my other son was there and he, she said he was sat on this steel table and he just said, he just looked at me like he was switched off, jumped off the table and then vanished. She said, I just had to ring you to find out if you were okay because that dream's really left me really rattled and I can't shake it. And she said, I can still feel it now. So I said, well, I don't think it was a dream, mum. So I told her everything that had gone on, uh, you know, and like, so, uh, so that's that, that's the, that is not the entire saga because I went back with a friend, stuff happened to her. 
there's like this huge group of people that we've all been affected by these things, whatever they are, these reptilian, or they present as reptilians. Um, mm. It's just not. It's just not crazy stuff. That's but they're with the greys and they're working with people because there were people involved. And you were you remember all this? You, this is none of this comes from hypnosis or anything. No hypnosis ever. Good. I've tried to have hypnosis, but I don't really want it because I'm scared to have many more memories because I don't know what to do with what is already in my head. Well, and it also really tends anyone, and I've never felt safe enough, so I don't think. I can happen yeah yeah it also tends to create false memories is the other problem probably yeah i don't trust it um the uh well first of all colin do you have anything you want to say oh oh, um oh that's 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 quite a lot of stuff um (laughs) so i did i did see an orb with relation to you were talking about seeing a sort of an orangey thing flying about i mean i was doing some sky watching like it, it was probably coming up on a year ago, actually. So I went out into the back garden uh, and I was actually, for the first time ever, I decided to like shine a torch into the into the sky. And I was doing that. It was a really nice, it was really nice weather, which is unusual in the UK. Uh, so I was shining a torch up into the sky just, just for a laugh, you know, just for a bit of funsies, uh, maybe for like an hour or so. And then I was going back inside and I saw something drifting like just over the fence outside the garden in in the streets and it was orange and it was drifting about and i only saw it for a few seconds but it was something that just seemed out of nowhere and i, I it's funny as well because I, I think i just mentioned briefly i was walking into work i think a couple of weeks ago and i saw a thing drifting about in the sky and uh i work in sterling at the moment in central scotland and this thing was drifting about by the wallace monument which is quite a notable structure if people want to google it or don't know what it looks like uh, and this thing was drifting about obviously under intelligent control but it had sort of uh, alternating red to green flashing lights so it was going red green red green uh, and i think it was a drone but you know it, it, at the moment i was looking at it, it i was thinking this is a strange ufo so i mean i i feel like i'm having these repeating experiences where i sort of challenge myself and i'm sort of i think i'm seeing something paranormal and it's not like a few years back i had i thought i saw a fleet of ufos and it was actually a fleet of birds as well (laughs) yeah yeah, and and sasha i mentioned to you i may mention this now briefly uh i mentioned to you a little while back because i was selling this house and it was all stripped down and ready to go and i was hoping to move out and then i suddenly realized things in the house were moving around and for yeah. a very brief period i was completely convinced this was poltergeist but it turned out it was actually a family member coming into the house and moving <laughs> things around which is a real which was a really weird thing yeah but but that's what actually happened and that it was kind of unpleasant i was kind of freaked out for a while i thought I was being full-on poltergeisted. Because in this house, uh, I say this house, the house I've moved out of now, thankfully. I mean, going back 30-odd years, I did some poltergeist stuff. And I didn't, I don't, I didn't talk about it when I was on uh, your show before, Soraya. But I think in about 92, 93 or something, there was some poltergeisty stuff going on. And there was like books flying around and books were moved around in the hallway there was like a little bookcase and the books were all sort of turned upside down uh i think it's funny as well because um where i grew up 
there, there's Malcolm Robinson, where I think you know Sasha. Yeah, I know Malcolm. Yeah, because Malcolm, he's written a book on the, the Saki poltergeist, and I, uh, that's literally like five minutes walk away from where I grew up is where this poltergeist stuff was going on and there was poltergeist stuff going in my house and at the other place I lived there was some, I had some sleep paralysis stuff and some sort of weird stuff like that going on so um, I, yeah, so so, so I've, I mean I've got, a, and I saw some UFOs in the, in the region, so yeah, so it's like, I mean I'm kind of, I don't know where I stand with this because I also have some memories of some possibly alien like stuff uh, from when I was younger but it's not as clear to me I don't think yeah I had a experience here the other day we've had we've all had like my daughter said she'd seen some glitched people she's nine uh, she's like have you ever seen glitched person I was like what do you mean you was like a shadow of a person I was like oh okay yes um but I was cooking and I heard a clattering behind me and I turned around and a fridge magnet had fallen off the fridge uh, how does how does that happen I picked it up um, it back on it didn't fall off i was like how does a magnet fall off of something metal by itself so that was a bit interesting but obviously i can't say it was absolutely paranormal just very strange <laughs> apple made uh the first ipad in 2010 you were saying that experience was 2008 um right sasha sorry who are you talking to sasha. right okay 2007 uh, 2007 okay. for the touch screen stuff you mean yeah oh yeah touch it was like, screen. Panel, it was... like a huge panel I've seen that twice actually. I've seen one in a MyLab. They have these big grey boxes with. So how do you know? How do you know it was a MyLab? Uh, well, because they have the uh, well, it's. I don't know that it's military because you know, like security guards wear uniforms, don't they? And they're not part of the military. But it was a. This is a different experience that I had. I've seen this technology, but um, yeah, it was a guy in a uniform, mm. and he told me not to worry because it won't take long to adjust because he was tapping. His and I don't remember anything after that. Something else I was going to ask you about your experience, and now I forget what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I can understand how it was a terrifying experience. Yeah. You know, uh, being like in my face, snarling and being all like, you know, reptilian y. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. It was so far removed from what I thought reality actually is. Even though I was sort of already believing it, but then when you see it, it it's not what you think. Your silly little fantasies, you know, your, your rose-tinted glasses, your, you know, need for something nicer than the life that you've got and that all that being, you know, something special and different or whatever. Oh, my God. No chance. No. <laughs> it's, not, well, it's not. It's not. It's so, like, it's stark reality. I, I, I always feel like some of these experiences are more like shamanic experiences which are not necessarily positive experiences. For some reason, our culture has, has sort of hijacked that idea that like shamanism is all love and light and, and all this other stuff, but actual shamans go through uh, some pretty horrible stuff on their way to becoming a shaman. Lots of adrenaline involved. Um, uh, when the UFO thing happened in Wales, right, I literally ran for my life. Like, you know the fight or flight thing? Yeah. I've always, you know, I've learned about that because of, anxiety and depression and blindness and they're kind of like when you're learning about how to manage your feelings and stuff you learn about adrenaline and how it affects you and you fight or flight fawn or freeze and so you kind of like have those in these little things like where it's decisions that you're making uh but it isn't flight happens you have no say control not a single second of thought 
you are running and then you think run <laughs> you're already running because your yeah. body's done the thing that right changed me the, everything else that i've been through all these like scary little moments or whatever i've never had that boom adrenaline where your chest feels like it's exploded it hurts like boom out absolutely like being hit by a truck but you still stood there and you're alive like it's a really heavy impact feeling yeah and that's what i remember but that that was the boom and i was gone i was out of there like monkey brain run like four seconds after body is like i've got this you know like that changes you the flight thing changes you. I can't even explain it to anyone. It does something to you. You're never, ever, ever going to be the same person again. Never. And the adrenaline of it, I don't think I've ever stopped producing too much adrenaline since that day. And I have problems with my legs. And I say psychologically, this is all trauma. And the reason with my legs is because I still haven't stopped running. Mm. Because you don't. You can't. Like, it's like... It's like you're frozen in that moment, even though it's now 20, 27, 28 years maybe since it happened. There's a bit of me that is still frozen in that moment running. Like, and uh, the shamanic thing that you're talking about, the doors of perception that open, the abilities, the everything that like insight, that knowing and everything is so overwhelming. Like all of a sudden you're taking it all in and you have to figure out how to process it all, but you can't, you're just overwhelmed from that point on. Yeah. Uh, when your your whole mind is just like everything's a danger now. I've got no roof. I've got no lid. That makes no difference. The government can't do anything about that. Have you seen the size of it? Oh my god! How do they not know it's there? How do they not know that that is there? Why aren't they doing something about it? Are we okay? Is this like you know like um? I've got no safety net now, so my brain was overinflated, and now it's just like a saggy balloon, and I'll never be able to fill it again or myself. Uh, because I'm empty now not so much but then I was because it took everything away from me everything that I thought that I knew about life everything I thought I knew about how safe we were locking doors having alarms laughable they just uh, they just walk through walls come up through floors in through your window out through your window like oh take the roof off um your reality isn't even real we can modulate frequency and therefore we can totally change all matter to whatever we want and we can do whatever we want to you and we will and they do and we're going to do it to your kids and there's nothing you can do about it nothing and so you come to the ufo community screaming insane panicking traumatized it's happening it's happening to me it's happening to the children will somebody help me Help me, help me, help me. Uh, like, oh, calm down. Oh, do you mind? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to block you because, you know, all this negativity on my newsfeed. And like, and they go, oh, but we want everyone to be authentic. Right. But not that authentic. Can you just polish <laughs> your axe a little bit and then maybe we'll entertain you. So this is why I became hostile and telling everyone they were full of it because they were just all wanting to vibe and we're all entertainment and blah de blah all that stuff you know like they don't know what to do with me and how come they don't know what to do with me when all of this stuff has been all these millions of people over 70 years all doing something about it why don't they know what to do with me why don't they recognize what it is that I'm expressing here and so that's why I just was like, from that point on, the UFO community is full of it. And it's absolutely just a, a, a huge kind of like egregore that leeches the life and soul out of everyone. Well, narcissists fill it up. It's just unbelievable yeah. to me. So I, I, you know, I'm 
I love so many people within the UFO community and I really admire a lot of people and what they do. But the entity itself is despicable and, and this is why I get a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the way you just described it again does sound shamanic in a sense where it tore your whole world down. Totally, yeah. So it, now all I know is that I'm some sort of creature <laughs> and here I well, am. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think, I think if we lived yes. in a more uh, tribal culture, uh, that accepted this stuff, you might have had ways to deal with it better. The, the, the There would have been people there to yeah. help you deal with it better so that you didn't end up with it being like a permanent trauma in your life. Literally, yeah, yeah. And, and I do get a lot of solace, actually, from um, especially like Aboriginal and uh, Indigenous American, um, you know, uh, philosophies yeah so um there's not there's we don't really have a lot of culture in that sense do we no so, you know like and if you go to the church they're gonna say it's demons and yep you know like uh that's no good so i kind of just have been just paying attention to what other like kind of cultures that are still almost like they used to be and their story times and their, you know, all of that, because it, that's the only comfort I'm ever going to get <laughs> out of any of it is the, the way that it's played out. In, uh, but maybe not so much the greys. I think they're kind of um, a recent affliction. Well, let, let me ask you this. Did you have any, like, more human trauma when you were growing up? Oh, God, lots. Yeah, okay. I had a really, really mad traumatic life. I died when I was four, actually. Really? I, uh, yeah, I, um, and I can remember every second of doing this. I spotted a bottle of my mum's tablets on top of a wardrobe. I was four years old. I was two, I'd been four for two days. It was wow. the 4th of November, 1974. And I got, I constructed this thing out of furniture in the bedroom to get this bottle that I'd seen on top of this really tall cupboard. And then I put all the, I, I took, I stood on all this stuff and I remember just piling 10 into my mouth. They didn't taste nice. They were burning. I don't even know why I kept putting them in there and swallowing them. So I, as, uh, I remember counting to 10 and then my mouth was burning too much. I put them back and put all the furniture back and went and got into bed. This is quite early on. My parents have gone out and my uncle's babysitting. So when they come home, probably like four hours later, um, I've, I'm laid on my bed with my eyes open and I've wet myself. And that, I never wet the bed so my dad flicked my foot because he just looked thought that don't, she doesn't look right mm. nothing so just like found an ambulance and uh, they were like properly resuscitating me and I was in a coma for a while um, so I've often wondered if the paranormal experiences that I've had and there's some sort of thing going on that physiologically changes you or spiritually changes you or something on an energetic level or hormonal that attracts them or but then you know, my mum's had experiences, so that's not true. It's, it's a, there's a lineage here, but we've seen more than the greys and the reptilians. We've seen loads of different types. Yeah. I don't even understand that. That doesn't make any sense either. Well, it, like, it doesn't make sense if they're extraterrestrial. It does make sense if we're dealing with an ecology of something that's that's uh, here with us that we normally can't perceive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, that. And, and that's the thing that I've actually come to conclude because how could it be anywhere else? It's just layers, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And like you said before, with the modulation of frequency and the, you know, like being able to alter matter. And, and, then, and I just had actually Rick and Marty in my head then with the bottle <laughs> <laughs> gun. <laughs> like, that, that's literally it though, isn't it? That's that, and, 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 you know, whatever it is, that I've been through or I've seen, I sit here and I think, what technology would we need to be able to facilitate that 
event and then is there any way or any even beginnings of research into anything like that now that might be leading that way and I have actually came across something uh, with green lasers. I had an experience with green lasers and I had a green laser in the crook of my arm. But I woke up and, and I, I was laughing at myself because I thought I was acting out a dream because my legs was, were up in the air, just suspended in the air. There was nothing holding them up. But they were at an impossible angle. I've not got that good body strength. My core strength is not good enough for that. So, um, and then my arms are in the air as well. So I was like, what are you doing, you idiot? You know, I went to put my arms and legs down, but couldn't because I couldn't feel them. So it wasn't sleep paralysis because I couldn't feel anything. And, mm. and uh, I got this green laser light on there in the crook of my elbow on my right arm. And I and I noticed that there's somebody stood at my feet and I'm saying to them, put the light on, put the light on, put the light on. Because I'm thinking, if they put the light on, I'll be able to snap out of this and put my legs down. Um, not thinking, who the hell is this? I live alone. Um, <laughs> right. You know. Right, none of that. So um, anyway, I remember just getting very tired feeling and my eyes shutting. And I remember my lids going over and not seeing the green thing anymore and I was gone. Um, so then I met another lady who, uh, the woman who filmed herself disappearing out of a bed and being returned 13 minutes later on CCTV. So I met her and I, I, I'd taken her to this conference so that she could give her talk. And she was up there and she was talking about this experience she had with green lasers. And she told me it before, but it didn't really hit home until I saw a, a, an artist's impression of this thing with the green lasers. And it was like, boom, oh my God, green lasers. I went home that night and I'm on the computer and I'm like, green lasers, uh, medical use, green, green light therapy, you know, all these like just keywords to try and find something yeah. that using green light and frequency and, you know. So um, my experience was 2007, right? 4th of October, 2007. And her was uh, some I heard her speaking about it in August 2011 but I can't remember where she said it happened now uh, so there's a you know there's, there's years apart so I go and I'm looking and I find this thing green green light therapy approved in Japan in the May 2011 and I'm looking in August 2011 right so it's only just been approved and uh, it was for pelvic health in women and prostate health in men and I was like whoa wait a minute I have a legs in the air she had a lazy night. They were doing something gynecological. Mm. And then this green light stuff is for pelvic health in women or pelvic stuff. So I was like, well, that could connect. I'm not saying definitively does, but that's an interesting correlation. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about uh, why, you know, what are they doing? And then back to the modulation of frequency and healing things with light and frequency and light and sound. And um, it's like they're resetting our cells. And I thought, oh, my God, the prostate, right? This might explain the probe thing, the, 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 the resetting the cells of people when they're taking them, resetting their, you know, because when our cells kind of like um, renew, you kind of partially delete a bit of the code. So they're deteriorating. If you want like to repair that, if you want perfect sperm and perfect ovum, you would expose those areas to something that would reset the cell to be at its most opti optimum. If you are going to harvest these things for any kind of like hybridization thing, possibly. Um, you know, like I just thought it was interesting. I'm not saying that's definitely a thing but right right um i read some russian dna research about like you know using light and frequency to repair dna and mm -hmm. it just made sense it's just all kind of like all these bits of things were coming at me at, in the same period of time so it was almost like <laughs> 
you know, like coming out of the ether together and it might be confirmation bias, but I wasn't actually looking for it. It was like kind of just landing next to me. So I don't know. But they do things to us medically without any, uh, by using light and frequency, light and sound. You know, they, I've seen them cut my foot open and there's nothing there holding the, the, the uh, incision open. They were bending the bones in my foot. I've got a different kind of bone growth in my foot and they were like bending it and they're just looking at it like it was the most curious thing ever. <laughs> uh, I, I literally just shut my eyes and checked out like I'm not, I'm not here. Right. Uh, I've just had so many, you know, it's just, I don't know it's a lot but all i do is try and stay as near to any scientific findings or musings that are out there you know so i can say okay well then i can when i'm going to talk about it i can reference these things so that i don't sound like an entirely crazy person but uh, you know all right we gotta take a quick break we'll be right back okay. all right quick mid-show break um www.wheredotheroadgo.com is where you can go for all Where Did the Road Go related materials. Uh, next week is our 11th anniversary show, and that will be with Tim Renner and Joshua Cutchin. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one, as you will see. Uh, if you want to become a patron and help us out, uh, go to wheredotheroadgo.com and click on the big Patreon link. You get extra stuff every week. Uh, you get the shows a week early. And uh, all kinds of extras here and there, and it's only $3 a month. And if you like this show, that's the best way to support us. If you can't afford to do that or you don't want to do that, leave us a good review so we're on, a good review wherever you're listening to us. I was going to say, Jen, you know, iTunes or whatever, but whatever you're listening to us on, leave us a good review. Um, and that, that always, always helps. A good rating, a good reviews. Recommend us to your friends. All right. Uh, for recommendation this week, I'm going with a podcast called Magmel. It was a single, C, uh, like 10 episode thing, M-A-G-M-E-L-L. And uh, it's sort of a time loop, sci-fi, Lovecraftian horror thing. I know that sounds amazing. It's not amazing, but it is good. Um, I enjoyed it, and it was uh, definitely an interesting ride. So, yeah, M-A-G-M-E-L-L, Magmel is my recommendation for this week. All right, back to the show. So I'm here with Sasha Christie and Colin Karras, although Colin hasn't been very talkative tonight. Um, <laughs> all right, Colin. Uh, no, I just wanted to let you talk, Sasha, because I was here before and I said all my interesting stuff probably a few years back <laughs> when I was on. So, so Sasha, one of the things um, that I wanted to ask you, which I've now immediately forgotten as soon as I started my sentence, that was, that was <laughs> great. Um, all right. Yeah, well, um, have you had non-UFO experiences other than the poltergeist stuff? I've seen, uh, I've seen apparitions. Um, I saw my grandma and granddad after they both died. Uh, my granddad had cancer. Uh, it was very slow and horrid, and, uh, and I knew she was dead. But then when my granddad died, he died of a stroke. I was the last person to see him. He, like, died almost immediately after I'd left him. Mm. And... Um, but I didn't believe that he died, you see. I thought he was gone on a special mission because he worked for the MOD police and he was, you know, army and he went, uh, not Navy, sorry, and he was a boxer and he was my hero, you know. He was like, uh, so I thought, nah, he's gone on a special mission, you're all lying, you just got to pretend that he's dead. And uh, I really believed that, absolutely believed it, until the day that he and my grandma walked past us, me and my sister. She saw them as well. Solid, totally solid. Like, and you would have thought that that would have made me think that they were actually both still alive. But I saw my grand girl, saw her with her away, so and and she looked normal again. So I was like, nah. 
Um, mm. And then I saw an uh, apparition in about 2005 at a castle up on the borders of Scotland. I was taking a phone call on the steps. We'd hired the castle for a party and um, we were all in there decorating the place. And I got a call, but the signal was terrible inside. So I went and stood outside at the top of the steps. And I'm looking at this archway that leads to this like grass, grassy patch and a river. But I can't see it because it's dark. It's nighttime. So I'm stood there and I'm on the phone. And as I'm talking, I see this woman walk under the arch and she had the long white gown on long white sleeves tight sleeves long black hair she was soaking wet and she was mad <laughs> she was straight you know like striding like fuming um and a dress billowed out she took this stride and as it fell back she it disappeared and she sort of like disappeared and it was like gone and so i was mm. just stood there i was like okay that happened <laughs> um didn't freak out or anything don't know why but I didn't feel threatened at all. And uh, and I went in and I said to my friend, Emma, because I told everyone, don't tell me anything about this place because I know it's going to have history. I know it's got ghosts. I could, they all have. But I don't want to know anything. So they were all sworn to keep the gobs shut because I was trying to figure my stuff out. And what can I do? What can I stand? You know, how does it work? And uh, so I went into her and I went, Emma, has this place got a lady in white? And she just, her eyes went really wide and she went, maybe, and walked off. <laughs> We've been there like five minutes. I'm not even kidding. Well, no, we've been there about an hour, like hardly any time at all. So I was like, it was weird because just getting some sort of procession or something. I don't know. Anyway, the, the, the whole story is that this woman was forced to marry the guy who lived in the castle. And the, after the wedding, they went on a hunt. But her lover and his merry men, they tried to kidnap her back. But it all went hideously wrong. And she got knocked off a horse and died in the river. Um, so... And the procession was apparently the rest of the hunt of party going back without her all blooded and everything because it had all been in a big fight. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've had stuff like that, you know, which is kind of interesting because that wasn't scary and I don't know why because it should have been really. I was on my own outside at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, scared at something and nothing, you know, like... Stuff. So I know what it was I was going to mention. You had mentioned that you're neurodivergent and that you felt that yeah. that created more DMT in your system. But, yeah, well, we do actually. It's a recent study has found that people who are neurodivergent um, have higher levels of DMT in their urine, mm. which is naturally produced. So, you know, like we're all kind of a little bit trippy all the time, I think. Or you're, or you're able then, to you know, access it, I things. I don't know if that's opening, opening up a layer that we can see into a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, people who use DMT or ayahuasca stuff have similar experiences to what you're describing. Mm. So you might be just tapping into another world that most people in our culture at least have, have no access to. Yeah. I'd be interested to do it, but I'm too scared. <laughs> yeah. like, I'd, I'd like to try it, but to see, you know, like if I could compare anything, but it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, I had a sort of a, it was like a DMT ayahuasca experience about 12, 13 years ago or something. And I, I, I think I, I talked about it last time I was on with you, Soraya, and um, I feel like it was just food poisoning. I felt I ate some <laughs> dodgy yogurt yogurt yeah. uh, and i had a whole day where there were glowing beings in my room trying to upgrade my brain and i felt i was going to die or i was going to go into some other dimension or something and i sort of came out of it and didn't really necessarily have any sort of great profound experience it was like oh okay i nearly died uh, the glowing aliens came down and that's fine that's really interesting Colin. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, because it's like, like the near death thing. It's not the actual uh, how whatever got you there. It was really it does. It was that doesn't really death. matter, you know. So. Yeah, it was very near death. I felt like I was trying to phone. I remember trying to phone the ambulance, but my my brain was just like it was all this information pouring into my brain as if I was being upgraded and I was going to be sent to some other dimension or something like that. And it went on. I think it went on for about 12, 13 hours and I was nope. vomiting and stuff. And it was like it was properly like what like I've never like I've never actually done drugs. I'm so boring. Uh, but it was very much like what you read about ayahuasca experiences, and yeah. it was just like that. It was like a complete ayahuasca sort of uh, trippy transformation sort of experience. But I didn't learn anything good at all, really. Hmm. Well, maybe it changed you in a way you don't know of. Yeah, I had maybe. to download once, right? And it started off with like a, a blue sky beautiful sunflower and then the next thing it was like a a, a map then there was like a wiring diagram and there was this stuff this uh, sphere that was turning it was made it went oh it was the you know the um seed casings that in the sunflower you know the sacred geometry kind of pattern oh yeah so, oh, like a beehive as well so this was like this sphere was made of this kind of uh like beehivey sunflower seed holding kind of shaped panels and it was turning and all this information was streaming down the left hand side of this screen and it was like uh i knew that what it was showing me was these things had to be in layers because then if it was out and anything hit the whole of this uh craft then the honeycomb layers would stop whatever it was and it wouldn't compromise the entire uh you know whole of of it it would be like localized damage and then it got faster and faster and faster all these things and i thought it's too fast i can't see it and then this thought came back to me it doesn't matter it just needs to be in there so that might be the same with that with you colin with all that yeah. you might not need to actually consciously know it it just needs to be in there for whatever reason i had uh i had an experience where i was driving to a concert down by washington dc and it was like a five lane highway on each side like packed and everyone's doing like you know 80 90 miles an hour and uh, it was a little unnerving but just before we got on the highway i had this experience like someone opened a book in my head and flipped through it, and it actually distracted me from driving for a moment where I was like, what was that? I feel like something just got put inside my head, and I'd never had that experience before. And a few minutes later, we turn onto this highway, and we're driving, and suddenly the car directly in front of us, something happened, and it suddenly just turned 90 degrees and smashed into the car next to it, and it just starts spinning in like this death spin towards us. And I very calm, I never, like, I, my adrenaline didn't even kick up or anything. I just drove around it as it was spinning, so it was parallel to the car, and kept going. And I went, is that what was just put into my head? You know, like, like, uh -oh, yeah. like everyone else in the car was in a panic, and I was just like, we're fine. You know, I'm like, I don't know why we're fine. I to fly a helicopter, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But but it literally felt like information was downloaded into my head, and I was sitting there going, "What was that? I have no knowledge of what that was." And a moment late, you know, within five minutes, that accident happens, and I deal with it in a, I mean, what I thought was a pretty remarkable way. Like yeah. I, I barely even left our lane. I just was able to time it so that I went when the car was spinning sideways, so that I just went around it. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is quite a, a spooky campfire story. Um. 
So another thing uh, that I, I, I didn't mention last time I was on, but when I was about 15, sort of with regards to like EVP and sort of channeled information, uh, I got a message on a blank set tape. So as a teenager, I was driving to music, I was taping stuff off the radio, I was making compilation tapes. Yeah. And um, there was this one tape I was putting in to check if it was a blank tape or not. And I'm, again, you know, I might have misremembered this. I don't know, but it was a blank tape. I was fast-forwarding it through to see if it was blank, and I got to the end of the tape. I pressed play, and then out of nowhere, there was like a robotic sort of demonic-sounding voice that said, you will pay for your sins. And then I heard like an evil scream, like a demonic... Yeah, and um, I almost wish I'd kept that tape and I could play it back and find out what the heck was that because it really creeped me out because I thought like somebody something had like placed a message on a tape for me. Yeah. But then you you sort of look at that. It sort of makes me think of like the, the stone tape theory and things being recorded on magnetic tape and things lurking in the environment. Yeah. Yeah, that's wow. I don't remember you telling that one. That one's that one's definitely weird because you hadn't recorded anything on it yet, right? No, I, I I remember I was checking to see if it was blank. I was yeah. fast forwarding it through to see if it was blank, and it was a blank tape, and it sounded backwards as well. It was like the sort of the the the, the little man from another place from Twin Peaks, you know, yeah. Yeah, sort yeah. of speaking backwards in a weird way like that. So yeah, it was sort of it was very weird. Huh. Wow, I wouldn't even know know what to make of that. And that was about the same time there was poltergeist stuff happening, you know, when I was having sleep paralysis. And there were there were things sort of running into the bedroom uh, late at night, you know, like sort of energetic beings. Uh, <laughs> that was another thing I was going to briefly mention was I've, I've been having all of these weird sleep paralysis sort of, I, I want to call them hallucinations, but I've been like sort of seeing these sort of beings, these sort of shape-shifting beings that are sort of, I, I, I hesitate to call them demonic, but the demonic in the sense that they are sort of frightening and weird, you know, like I will be going to sleep and I will be automatically sort of flipped into this sort of state of consciousness where I see these creatures appearing. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't, kn- yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, a, a purely sort of a mental state thing or whether it's other things from other dimensions arriving. I'm very uh, sort of agnostic about it. You know, with with EVPs in particular, I mean, the fact that all that stuff was also going on, I often wonder how much EVPs are actually us projecting stuff onto tapes, which is why, for instance, ghost hunters, when they start out, they don't get a lot of EVPs, but over time, they start getting more and more. It might be because they're, they're sort of unconsciously imprinting on the tape or even channeling something from something in the in the environment and putting it on the tape i was part of an investigation team in 2005 and we did some pretty big venues in this country and we did the national railway museum in york now myself and my friend tony were walking around now i always had a dictaphone recording the whole time from the minute we get out of the car because we probably missed stuff you know setting up and everything so i'll just have something running now uh, as we were walking around i noticed a change in the brickwork on this wall and i said oh look that's been changed i wonder what this used to be they just like looked at it and walked off when i played the tape back it said it's a freight station i didn't know that so i did project that and then neither did tony because neither of us knew what it was so 
Right, you know? right. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but don't you think that's paranormal in itself? That's yes. interesting. Yeah, no, totally. And what I'm saying, too, is you might... need that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if a spirit is put... What I'm saying, though, is may not be the spirit putting putting something on the tape as much as you channeling the information and putting it on the tape. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the, like it's it's connecting with you, but you're not hearing it directly. Instead, your unconscious prints it on the tape. Well, um, I did have a little incident before that, where a little incident. Uh, I, I was in the bit where there's a turning circle, and this used to be a fully operational train railway station at one point, but it was a museum. And so this bit, there was a, t- you know, like they buffer trains together and do whatever. So I'm there, and I start getting a really bad headache, and I sat down, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, my head is killing me. Why? I just want to go home. I started thinking, I just want to go home. I just, what am I even doing here? I must be mad. I, I just want to go home. And then my ears are hurting, like really badly hurting, like somebody's pinching them when they're cold. You know, if somebody flicks your ear when your ear's cold. Right, that right. Hurt. Really painful. I was like, oh, my God, my ears are killing me. And Tony says, the bright red. And I've sat there and I just went, do you know what? I want to know if somebody's had the head crushed here. And Tom, who was the um, manager, security manager there, he said, oh, yeah, 1977. The guy bent down to pick up his toolkit uh, left on the tracks and um, he got his head caught between two buffers on the train. Oh. And he died, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. he just That was the last investigation that I ever did because he wanted to go home. It, all he wanted to do was go home. And I, I knew he was there. I knew that he wanted to go home. I felt his pain. And I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't do anything to help him. And I just had to leave him there. Yeah. And I thought, these are people. This is people. What am I doing? These are people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Real wake-up call for me, that was. It's a ghost hunting and chasing. Oh, my God. Just ignorance and arrogance, honestly. Um, now I've woken up to it and with me being a haunted person and I've had some really awful experiences uh, this kind of like past 15 years all I have done is pour into myself learned and study how to keep that crap out of my home and off me and my kids because we attract it Yeah, and it's been pretty well recently I need to do something about it because we've had a few bits of activity like, but uh, nothing like before so well, you yeah. you have you have a lot of things that uh, are commonalities for having these type of experiences. You have the early life trauma, you have the genetics for it clearly, um, and it seems like the more experiences you have, the more you're prone to have because it seems to. I, I almost so like the way the brain processes stuff. Uh, it ignores like ninety five percent of the stuff that you actually encounter. So I think yeah. when you start encountering this stuff. And your brain starts realizing, oh, this is important. It starts showing, letting more of that stuff filter through uh, the system, so you actually notice it. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I, Sasha, I, I just try sorry, and get um, it out all the time. Go on, Colin. Sorry. Sorry, I was just interrupting there. I was just saying that I've been to that <laughs> railway museum in York. It's fantastic, and I actually got yeah. a ghost photo in whichever whichever the haunted pub is in in York. <laughs> I'll have to dig that out at some point. Uh, which haunted pub is loads. They're, they're, they all claim to be haunted. It's the same as with Edinburgh, where I lived for years. All the pubs are haunted. <laughs> yeah, and why, and I think environment has something to do with it, too. I mean, what, I, I've been slowly trying to collect the most common factors that you see in this stuff. And obviously... Well, the dad, um, the dad had combat PTSD, and he was a joy to live with. What but was also, he uh, he killed a lot of people in Aden, and um, 
all of the men on my dad's side of the family were all in the, the military, so they've all killed people. Yeah. And on my grandma's side, her great-granddad or her granddad was a Commodore in the German, um, I don't know which bit, it, maybe even Prussian. You know, them pointy hats. Oh, you know, okay. the old German things with a point on. Yeah. And apparently we had admiral as well so i was like oh so those people were making decisions about all the uh, the young men who were gonna die yeah. and then everyone else was either was killing and being killed in a war uh so there's a lot of death attached to my family hmm. um but yeah I, I i think that that a lot of this stuff comes down to who the person is the environment um both like physical environment like like uh geology and things like that the area like there are certainly certain areas that promote this stuff more uh, strong, yeah. strong emotion is a big player on that because even when they've done psychic research, uh, like I, I always cite Dr. Bem's study in Cornell, where he showed that regular people would have would pick up on images before the computer selected them, um, and the images they would pick up on were images of sex or violence because they would okay. see a spike in their EK, you know, EKG readings just before the computer picked the image. So that makes sense. Those are the ones that are going to, and, and, you know, engender the, the, the largest emotional response from somebody. And that's what they're picking up, you know, in the EKGs. They're seeing that response. Um, well, so I, I had that last time I was on your show. I talked about it, uh, where I was tested for psi abilities at the University of Edinburgh. And um, all the time I was being tested, you know, you're, you're, it's the Gansfield method. And you're supposed to just talk about whatever is going through your head. And somebody writes it down for about 20 odd minutes. And all I could think about was clowns because I'd seen a video of a sort of a clown singer guy. Uh, before I came out, that's right. And and weirdly enough, that actual clown guy had been performing outside the building at the University of Edinburgh, which is the Festival Fringe during August. Yeah. And I I couldn't stop thinking about the clown. I was thinking I won't mention the clown. And then when they played me these randomised videos that I was supposed to have predicted, there was one video popped up with a guy in a full-on clown costume. So I was thinking that's that's a little bit interesting, isn't it? You know that I. It's it's just the, the trickster figure yeah. is appearing right now. Huh. Uh, I do remember you talking about that. That's that's weird. Um, the other things that tend to have commonalities, like uh, anyone who has experiences, there's poltergeist uh, activity involved. It doesn't matter what it is. There's almost always poltergeist activity, which I believe at least the energy of which comes from us. Yeah, yeah, because there's different. Because you've got spirits that are intelligent and can interact with their environment. Right. And they things and then you've got things that are parts but then they i think the same as what you've just said that it's a living agent with suppressed emotions and it's like a bubble that comes off their energetic field and, and i and i think entities can also use that too like if someone's generating a lot of pk energy um yeah absolutely yeah. I, I think that's, I suspect that's kind of like what happened with the Enfield poltergeist case because they seem to be interacting with the person who lived there prior that none of them knew about. Um, yeah. So I think maybe the girl was starting to manifest this unconscious PK and then this entity picked up on it and started using her as a channel. And it doesn't even have to be from the, the house. It, you can attract them. You can, it, you can just walk past it in the street and then bingo, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you've exactly. Got, got like, I, of like you know, I've actually lived in haunted houses, but I've moved into houses that were fine, and they have become haunted. Mm, like, yes. and I'm like, it's the entourage that I've got, which I don't have now because I've worked really, really hard to get rid of all that crap. Um, 
But then when I got, before I became consciously aware of what was going on with me, because I just had loads of coincidences, I didn't realise that I had any sort of like ability to just know something without even realising that I was knowing anything. Um, oh, it's just really not always going with that. But. <laughs> um, it's, it's the, I, I move into these houses that have got activity going on already and then it just kicks off like royally like the last house that i lived in in my own city i've moved i've run away from it in at, at night with my kids in the car and, and drove 70 miles to liverpool and oh. that's where i live now um it was insidious i moved in there with all my stuff going on that i wasn't fully aware of and um into this place where someone had been doing ouija board in all the rooms while drunk for a laugh Mm. Uh, and I think somebody died there anyway. There was a little boy running around that my son could see. Oh, God, it was just awful. It was awful. I could literally write a book about that house. It was shocking. But I know that whatever was in there was already pretty crazy. But when we moved in, it was just insane. Absolutely insane. Terrorizing us all. Big holes appearing in the floor. Oh, wow. Like, doors slamming. Footsteps running. Like, and I'm thinking it's my kids and then I'm realising wait a minute we can't run that way because you can hear the footsteps going from one corner of the house to the other and this house that I was in was massive but there was a staircase and doors and everything in front they shouldn't have even been able to do foot, footsteps that, that whole way right you, do you know what I'm saying yes like, no, no, I know exactly I, what you're saying that's like, really interesting laid on the bed with my son because he's upset and like trying to get him to sleep because he's woken up and, you know, they wake up crying sometimes. So I'm laid on the bed and, and the bed shook from side to side. And, and like I'd be laying there and all the all the light would go out the room. So everything would be just sinister black. Even the glow in the dark stars that he had on the wall would not be glowing. Oh, wow. And it was so dark. And I think that whatever made the bed shake was somebody in my family saying, get out of this room now. Oh. And I, I picked him up and I... And I got to the door and I slammed it and I shouted, get the F out of my house now. Right? And then my daughter comes out of the bedroom. She's like 12 going, is everything all right? Walking her up. <laughs> oh, yes, everything's fine, darling. You go back to sleep. <laughs> and this is how I'm living. I'm being terrorized by all this stuff and I'm trying to play it down with the kids. At the same time, I've got the greys coming in. And my little boy running around going, do you see the aliens to everybody? And uh, telling me all this stuff about him and how they've hurt him. And uh, I lost my mind in that house, I swear I did. And um, I just, we just ran away. And now we've lived in Liverpool ever since. Wow. And I couldn't even, I could, I could never go back to Leeds. I could never, I, I visit, I'm going back to see some friends, but I've hardly been back there in uh 11 years wow. because it, to me I don't want anything to stick to me again yeah yeah. and well, one of my friends lives so close to that house I'm like we can't go that way because I can't go anywhere near that house well we're out of time but let's continue talking about this in a Patreon segment um, Sasha where can people find you online if they want to contact you uh, I am on Facebook pretty okay. much um, I uh, TikTok as well, Infomaniac Housewife. I have a blog, Infomaniac Housewife. Don't really write about it, but there's a lot of um, <laughs> contentious things on there that people might find funny and interesting. Um, then there's the Paranormal Instigator YouTube channel that I've got. And I do a Liverpool uh, meetup once a month in a pub somewhere in Liverpool mm. uh, with the UFO, UFO Identified Northwest. So if you uh, look for their website, uh, sort of Facebook page and website, they've got real good stuff going on and a brilliant conference and everything. But I kind of like have sort of like uh, become friends with them and uh, they do really original stuff and 
so there's the new funky fresh and young you know what I mean they're not all like collecting the pension or anything so uh yeah that's where it's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now okay and Colin where can people contact you oh well I recently I say recently I started doing a podcast with Stephen Snyder who does the farm podcast he's been on oh, yeah. the show I think Right, so we did, uh, we recorded a bunch of stuff quite a while back, and I've not heard back from him for a while, so I think he's really busy doing his main podcast, so hopefully that might emerge at some point. Uh, I'm leaving it up to him, because he's sort of in charge of it, but yeah, if people want to contact me, I'm on Facebook still, unfortunately, Facebook (laughs) is still a thing. (laughs) <laughs> all right well thank you both thanks for having me on thank you i haven't talked about anything for ages so <laughs> yeah it's interesting i want to take a moment here to thank all of my patreons without you this show would not be possible and i want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging ten dollars or more greg ross Illuminati, chuck shutters leanne cherry matt in delaware allison cook super inframan steven st george 36 Dingo, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Matthew Sproul, Midnight Review presents Christine, a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Andrew Malone, Ann Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Bright Rectangle, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy and Communicable, CJ, Greg Parmenter, Diane B, Empty K, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, History and Coffee, Jay, Jay Otto Bullet, Jack Huntington, James Lindsay, Jim and Sophie, John Mattingly, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L, Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linda, Linz Jackson K, MJ Armstrong, Mark Brady, Mr. Weird, Oli Andre Olar, Paul Jeffries, Perry Peters, Philosopher of Mirrors, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Schmooples, Devourer of Mortal Souls, Stacy Sherwood, Stevie Norman, Strange Stories with the Seeker and Skeptic Podcast, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, The Esoteric Book Club Podcast, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Veroche K, Victoria Elant, Vincent Trewell, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Annabelle Smith, Caroline Walker, and TDT Skunk Works. Thank you all so very, very much. There is a Patreon-only segment to go along with the show where we continue talking for another, I don't know, 45 minutes or so about different stuff. Um, This was a very interesting show to me. Okay, uh, I want to welcome a few new patrons. uh, Edward Clay Vinoy, James Burke, and Colin Karras. That name sounds familiar. Yes, and uh, I hope you all enjoy the extra content and if you want to become a patron, go to wheretheroadgo.com and uh, click on the big Patreon link, and that'll take you there. You can also leave a donation. Hey, my Amazon wish list is there. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff. And again, an extra special thank to Mike, thanks to Michael Frisky, or Frisky, I think it is, um, who has sent me just a ton of books off that Amazon wish list, which will uh, become parts of future shows. So thank you again, Michael. And thank you to Vincent Trewell as all who de- as well who does his own um, podcast called The Strange Part, and uh, he writes the recaps for the show every week. So again, next week is the eleventh anniversary show, and uh, it's a good one. It's a really interesting conversation. The the topics were picked by the Patreons, so yeah, 
it's it's interesting. And it's with Tim Renner and Joshua Cutchin. I think you'll all like it. All right, I'm going to take you out with some Psyche Corporation. This is Worrying World. I'll see you next time. Come in. Do you need me? Do you understand the numbers pouring over your connection? Soaking into our transmission 